Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, Y-E-G, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Creative control, creative control. Comedy, art, and sometimes rock and roll. Let's do a public opinion poll. Raise your hand if you love creative control. Cause when Vish is unleashed, well you... Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. I was just working on a tribute song to my favorite podcast, Creative Control, with Vish Khanna. My name is Matthias, and I play in a band called The Burning Hell. But more importantly, I support Creative Control on Patreon, and I think you should too. Quality, long-form arts journalism is like a magical talking unicorn. It definitely exists, but it can be really hard to find. Fortunately for us, Vish makes it easy with hundreds of funny, thought-provoking, well-researched and engaging interviews with artists from all over the world. Your flexible monthly donation on Patreon will get you plenty of special exclusive treats and help Vish keep his podcast well-fed and cared for properly the way a magical unicorn deserves. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Corey Hansen is a remarkable songwriter, guitarist, and singer based in Los Angeles, California. A member of the band Wand, Hansen is also a hard-touring solo artist whose compellingly explosive third album, Western Come, was dispatched into this world by Drag City Records on June 23, 2023. As such, Corey returned to this show for a fun talk about things like his California upbringing and lifestyle what Western come means to him as an idea, the inspirational role that certain filmmakers played for him with these new narrative songs, Neil Young and Crazy Horse, American rock music, and genre signifiers like Southern and Prague Rock, the Sunset Strip, Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, and social media, the guy who commandeered a merch table and led Corey to go viral, 
the motion picture Twins. Being a guitar person and Michael Jordan, stopping a song versus fading it out, tour dates, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creativecontrol, which is the primary source of revenue for all the work that goes into the show. Thank you for supporting the show at patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 783 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Corey Hansen with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Corey, how's it going? Hey, Vish. Good to see you. Oh, it's good to see you again. It uh, feels like a lot has happened to you since we last spoke, and uh, it's it's just nice to see you again. Where in the world are you? I'm in Los Angeles, California, in Highland Park. It is a uh, kind of gloomy day, as it has been most days, actually, weirdly, Oh, this winter and spring. Weather-wise, it's been gloomy. Yes. No. Huh. Everything, yeah. Everything else is good. Um, but the weather's been kind of shit. Even the, as I'm speaking to you, and maybe by the time people hear this, it'll be different, but I'm in Alberta and we have uh, wildfires. And I think of California as a place that has to deal with that uh, almost every year. Have you had the, the wildfire season started? If is that, Am I accurate about that, by the way? It hasn't begun quite yet. Uh, everything's still pretty wet but it'll dry up there was a lot of rain so the wildfire season is going to be it's going to be a good one oh, man. get the popcorn out <laughs> it's i don't know i've never i, I have i've lived here uh, what three years now i haven't had this happen to this extent where it's like it's bad here like state of emergency in the province kind of bad so How i don't mean to happen in in alberta in the in the springtime i don't understand Apparently, uh, what I heard was there wasn't enough snow in the winter, and so it was just a dry, everything thawed more quickly or something, and there, whatever okay. there was. I don't know. I, I think it's also people, they're like, please stop using your off-road vehicles and flicking your cigarette butts at the dry grass. I don't know. I really don't know exactly, It's just, but it's happening, and it's not that far from, it's not super far from where I live, which is different. Anyway... I didn't think that was going to be a factor living in yeah. uh, in Edmonton. So it's a good question you raise. Uh, but have you been, and I don't mean to take us down this road too hard. You, you're a California guy, right? You've been there a long time. Yes, sir. Yeah. S- fifth or sixth generation Californian. Yeah. Very right. rare breed. People leave usually? Yeah, people people leave. Yeah. Especially now because it's so gosh darn expensive. Expensive and, and and does the the climate volatility ever make you think, huh? Maybe <laughs> maybe it's time to end the the lineage and move move along somewhere. Uh, I like the heat. You know, it took my ancestors a lot to get here. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they had to cross. You know, the Donner Pass and 
all that stuff. Yeah, they yeah. ate each other. They ate, you know, babies and, and dogs and horses and and made it out here. And uh, actually, my my uh, my mom just told me that my uh, great 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 grandparents settled on Meridian, which is like two blocks away from where I am right now. I see, which is crazy, in Highland Park. I don't believe the last time you were on that we covered the fact that your family was part of the Donner Party. Is that true? <laughs> no, no. But this is this is appropriate actually for the for the uh, subject matter of the record. Yeah, of the Western Gum record. Yeah, yeah, I, and I can't wait to get into it. I want to tell you uh, first of all, congratulations on this wonderful record. It's great. We've been loving it in my household, if I may say. Great. Now, I did have a weird thing happen. Uh, I think it was just yesterday. I was uh, my wife has been uh, taking her bicycle to work, but some days uh, here now because of the fire, the uh, air quality advisory makes you think like the kids have indoor recess now. Uh, this today is fine, by the way, but this week it's been a lot of like, yeah, it's probably not good to be outside. Anyway, all this to say, uh, I happen to be driving uh, my kids to pick up my wife unusually uh, this spring, and we were listening to your album, and everyone was into it. And my son uh, glanced over at the screen because it tells you what's playing, and he went, "Huh, Western?" Uh, and I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Why is it called Western?" He's at that age, you know, where he he doesn't know if he should tell us he knows things that are maybe suggestive. And I think that's what was happening. He'd seen the word. He knows the word, but he didn't want to say it. And I appreciate that because my young daughter is in the background. Anyway, it begs the question. I I know it might be uh, uh, silly or or simple, but we must ask, (laughs) why Western come? Why is the title of your album? This is by, uh, let me just say this. This is my son's question to you. I'll I'll uh-huh. I'll get myself. Yeah, out of sure. It. Why Why is the record called Western Come from your vantage point? Well, you know, a record needs a title, <laughs> and I think it's a damn good one. <laughs> uh, I yeah, you know, it, it in in the process of of trying to select a title at the end of you know the journey of making a record, uh, especially one as big and like kind of expansive and guitar heavy is this it it you know i was going through the titles and that were popping in my head and i had this song called western come that didn't make it onto the record but it'll it'll hopefully come out sometime and uh it just seemed like a no-brainer to me it was like out of all the song titles that would be the one and uh i mean i could there's a lot of ways to get into it but i don't want to color the question to you know i like that people ask the question about why the record is called that but i think i was when in the process of making the record was thinking a lot about origin you know like talking about people coming over covered wagon you know out west or whatever or just you know origin of anything Mm. origin's a really interesting idea to me because it, it there's a lot of theories about where things originate from, but there's not a lot of like concrete facts. Right. So you kind of have to make something up no matter what. And, uh, so that was kind of the way that I broke into the, the lyrical part of, of the record. Most of the record was just playing guitar and coming up with riffs and being like, that one's cool. 
that one's sick. Mm-hmm. This one sucks. This one's cool. Wait, no, it actually sucks. <laughs> Putting them all together, and then you know, like uh, that part was 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 a lot easier. The the lyrical part was then really fun. You know, I was definitely watching a lot of. Uh, let's see, what was I watching? A lot of like Altman seventies Altman movies, like The Cave and Mrs. Miller and hmm. Brewster McCloud and uh, oh Robert Downey Senior. Mm-hmm. His movies, and just thinking about. Uh, absurdity and like tying it into this like kind of western like you know covered wagon world i see okay so it's western frontiers you know uh we've established your uh you represent six generations of californians uh that is that is the (laughs) west coast but i i also couldn't help but think of western culture you know the way we talk about western culture uh, and, uh, sure. and 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 what that might mean. I appreciate that you uh, invoke the term "come" because of the origin story that we're talking about here. But does it serve a dual purpose? The Western part of it to you? Like, are you talking more? Sure. Yeah. Does it? Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, it's multi-sided for sure. That was my West Coast coming out for sure, dude. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but, uh, covered wagons obviously brings us back to uh, you know you mentioned some filmmakers there, uh, but yeah, the West, you know the the frontier, so to speak. I feel like there's all of that stuff going on in here. Sure, and you know I yeah I like those two filmmakers in particular because they they take the West and turn it into they they it just they let their mind twist that soup into something different right and like make it just use it as like kind of like a canvas to be to do weird shit mccabe and mrs miller is a very like different kind of film from greaser's palace but there's like you know they're telling like a, a story that is just like using all that stuff as props mm. and stuff so 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 um, so did the films that you're citing now uh inspired you did they influence the songs that we're hearing per se Sure probably Yeah I mean directly like do you, do you feel like you might have copped some plot lines in your narratives here or anything like that cuz I mean I'm I'm going through the by the way I mean the guitar playing I want to ask you about it because it's phenomenal the band is phenomenal but I also am very compelled by the lyrics here because, like, if it, the opening track, Wings, do you mind if I just recite something for folks? Go for it. So this is, uh, I, I want to say this is the second verse into, yeah, I'm just going to go from the second verse onward. Through solid gold binoculars, the tears of the snowman froze right to his face. Well, I snuck in through the carousel and I found there was plenty of air out there. On the wing. I just had to track you down, because it's been ten, 10 years now since you gunned my father down. I'm on a wing. Now, this is very vivid. It's it's a bit abstract, but it's quite vivid to me. Uh, and there seems to be some death and crime lurking throughout the lyrics on this record. But that's an interesting uh, opening. To if you, if you spend time with the lyrics and you listen to this amazing song, I don't want to make a, be too heavy-handed about this. Is it fair to say it has like a cinematic quality to you? I mean, is that what we're getting at when you say you watch a lot of movies and then that might have inspired some of this work? Or is there something else that you want to talk about in terms of what might have 
brought those lyrics out of you? Well, I was definitely thinking about stories. I mean, it's a revenge story. Yeah. And each song, I, yeah, I wanted the songs to have like a as guitar heavy and and kind of progressive rock as they are. I wanted them to have like kind of simple folk stories, you know, that are just like classic, you know, revenge, like persuasion architecture is like kind of does that too, but it's sort of like a, you know, Dracula in his castle thing. And well, story song th- about that it. persuasion architecture feels like four different ideas. As a song, as an arrangement, as a structure, yeah, sure. and then yeah, lyrically too, it's like all of a sudden Nosferatu is involved, and you're like, what? What is happening? <laughs> so it does feel like yeah, scenes maybe. Again, sorry if this is too heavy handed, but you mentioned movies, and like I'm, I find the lyricism very vivid. Like I picture everything. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah. that's what I do too. I, I picture everything, and yeah. it, it kind of, it kind of scrolls out in. Like lyrically, it, it it's more about the uh, ambient space uh, that that the lyrics are happening in, the characters that are there, than about like actually trying to tell like a linear tale. It's a sense of place that every song brings about, but it's a shaky, strange place. It's surreal places. I find like you just invoked progressive rock, and we've also talked about the Western frontier. But within, I don't, I don't know, within some of these structures I'm drawn, maybe it's the harmonic guitar stuff or something, uh, harmonized guitars, I mean. Southern rock also seems to loom large here, or... Totally. Maybe totally. even people like Neil Young and Crazy Horse and their interpretation, maybe on After the Gold Rush and, and maybe Harvest, there's some literally like allusions to what we, I think at, at the time we thought of as Southern, not, I wasn't born... But uh, <laughs> over time, we've come to associate Southern rock with a certain kind of sound. But I also think maybe it's more closely aligned to notions of progressive rock than I maybe thought of. This is what your record prompted me to ponder. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's an American rock record. Yeah. It's like about American music. I mean, there's a lot of British blues influences and stuff that are kind of unavoidable for me because they're just a part of my DNA at this point. Yeah. Like Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and Black Sabbath and and then progressive stuff too. But yeah, for for the most part, like a lot of the guitar work is influenced. I think I, I was really trying to to pull from the tradition American tradition of rock music. The North American tradition of rock music. Neil Young in, involved yeah. you know in that. But yeah, from from uh, blues, jazz, to um, rock and roll, punk. I mean, it, yeah, I guess, and beyond that, you know, to free jazz, free improv, metal. Like it kind of just goes all over for me. Western cultural forms, let's say, sort they, of. Uh, well, because Western kind of involves. I mean, it definitely involves European. Um, sure influence but uh yeah and then like a there are some eastern things too but they're like western appropriated eastern you know like cashmere and modality and yeah different like they're orientalized in a way yeah right i mean i'm singing about cashmere and there's talking about a desert and 
<laughs> you guys don't know what cashmere is, do you? <laughs> no, I think maybe that was a placeholder name that just stuck for them. Um, I don't want to uh, slag Led Zeppelin too hard on this uh, episode of the show, but we can if you want. No, I, I think... Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's funny you mentioned Led Zeppelin. Are you still... Uh, uh, this might be a slight tangent. Uh, Corey, are you still tweeting actively? I say this one from some ignorance because I'm sort of <laughs> trying to take a break, and I've always appreciated your yeah. your meta approach to social media where one of I was quoting it to my wife the other day where I'm going to paraphrase but you basically tweeted that you really only use these things to sell records thanks it was something like that yeah, it, yeah. it really made me laugh out loud if I may um, are you still kind of actively using it uh, there's a point to me asking this beyond I'm thinking of Guns N' Roses as we talk about uh, American okay. archetypes and music and and uh, the, the genres we've touched upon, and I want to ask about them in a moment for you because you seem to be there's something there, and I want to ask about it. But anyway, are you still using social media as much these days? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I lurk, you yeah. know, a little bit. But I, I've been off. I've been working. So okay. when I'm working, I, I go turn all that shit off. Do you think? Do you uh, think you'll continue to use Twitter in particular? Uh, this is a topic of conversation with lots of people these days. Because of the Musk acquisition? Well, there's... And the changes that he's made, <laughs> the positive changes he's made to the company? <laughs> there's that part of it, but it seems to every week get worse. Like, I think we've all just been like, maybe someone will just take this back. Like, I, I don't know what we're all doing on it at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, it uh, feels like it's been on the decline ever since he took it, but it's like really getting ugly. I don't see too much of it or experience too much of it personally, but I see other people's accounts of what they're dealing with, and it sounds just seems like a weird thing to be a part of and support. Um, but I think you've always had that apprehension or conflict of like, why do we, why am I using this? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I yeah. think it's an extreme time suck and uh, it just bleeds minutes, hours, days of life, of precious life with little or to no value unless you're objective about it and like I try to be and be like, I'm here to sell records. I'm not here. Like, even if I'm being, you know, opinionated about something or critical of something, my only reason for doing that is, is yeah, to hit a viral tweet and have a bunch of people see it. And, uh, which is, which has only happened once. Uh, but uh, that was a great that was a great story by the way of the guy I think you're alluding to the guy who drunkenly started selling your merch for you is that what happened he was on LSD and cocaine and oh uh, I'm sorry drunkenly undersells very drunk 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 was like a third of the equation okay and he was probably dehydrated you know needed to drink water and so that was probably happening too but yeah he was he was fucked up he was a blank man. You know, you looked into his eyes and his soul had left. And he um, took over your merch table? Did I get that part right? He did, yeah. 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 While we were playing. He just started selling things and was, you know, selling them for double or triple the price and then just handed me a wad of cash at the end of the show. He didn't and take he didn't take the money. Oh no, no. He he gave it all to us. <laughs> I'm sorry. And <laughs> so it, that really was a confusing interaction for me because 
here's somebody who's like obviously a big fan. They're also like really out of control and fucked up, which is something that happens a lot sure. at shows. Sure. It's called being, uh, we call them punishers because they, you know, come up and they, they lack the self-awareness to like give people whether they performed or not. You know, it's like not just they're not just punishing me. They're punishing the people around them. Mm -hmm. But they like the self-awareness to to be a regular human. And so they're they're punishing. And uh, so, yeah, he was punishing. And then he kind of took that and started punishing other fans by making them pay double or triple the price for a shirt. And uh, what was confusing about it was that on Twitter, it went viral instantly. And I think that the reason why was because two reasons it mentioned merchandise which for some reason gets picked up in the twitter algorithm hmm. i've noticed and um drugs drugs get picked up in the twitter algorithm you, are you saying if you if you just use the word merchandise something happens well if you're talking about it huh. like like for some reason band merch everybody's talking about band merch and maybe this is something I see on my feed a lot. No, I uh, I can relate to this to some extent. When I was moving to Alberta, I decided to take some photos of my old... My parents were like, hey, you're moving. And in Ontario, I went to their house uh, and I hadn't lived there in 20 odd years. They said, oh, good, you're moving. Take everything that that is here. We don't want it. I was like, oh, okay. Among the things were old, very old uh, music t-shirts. And so I, I started to tweet... About I took some photos just because it was a reflective exercise, and I think I put them on Instagram. And among the shirts were like a vintage 1994 Sonic U shirt, a few different Nirvana shirts from my teenage years. And out of the woodwork, these dudes came at me like, I'll give you $2,000 for that shirt. And I was like, what? And But it just kept happening. And they actually just got one of the most dogged – because I wanted to explore this. This whole culture that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Apparently, do you? Are, sorry, Corey. Do, are you aware of this? The vintage or? Oh, ro- I'm very aware. Rock T-shirt. There's a shop. Yeah, yeah. There's a shop down the street, and he had a bunch of vintage Nirvana shirts. And I said, "Well, these are cool." And he's like, "Check this out." And he brought out this coffee table book that this press in Japan made that was every Nirvana shirt that had ever been made in like mint condition and just photographs of them all. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, he was like, he was on it <laughs> he, and kind of told me all about it. And then this, uh, in like influencer girl walked in and bought like a thousand dollar Nirvana yeah. shirt while I was there. Yeah. So I have three or four shirts that apparently, I, I mean, I've also heard like, be careful. They'll tell you they'll pay you and then they'll pay you and then they'll take their money back. So it's like, it all seems very scammy. And I, that's why I, I actually said to my dad, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Can you just ship? I took what I could, but I left some stuff. Can you just ship that stuff? And he's like, all right. And he did. And then he checked <laughs> in with me a couple months later. So did you sell the shirts? I think he knew I probably hadn't done it. And I was like, no, I never got around to it. He's like, ah, I shipped you the shirts. You didn't even make the money. Because I was like, dad, I don't know what's happening. But between all of my inventory, I think I'm sitting on like $6,000 worth of stupid old T-shirts. Anyway, I really digress there in a way, but there is some mania about band merchandise. Is all I was trying to follow up on that I'm still sure? I'm still trying to figure it out, and I maybe I will sell them now that I feel like I haven't done anything with it. So you're prompting me. Anyway, my point was, 
Yes, your point was your tweet went viral for two reasons. What does that tell you, though, about what we're putting out there? Because I'll just... I had one viral tweet from my one of my uh, po- my podcast account, and it was me tweeting about my a joke my son told me that went viral. That still gets a click or something, a like every once in a while. But the rest of my time is like, here's a meaningful interview I did with Corey Hansen. Everyone, please, yeah, have a listen no, to this crickets. substantial thing, and it's crickets on not Twitter. as much, right? Like very little interaction. What, so that experience, what did it tell you about the the form, the medium that? You're trying to sell your records, but what really seemed to get people going was a good story. Sorry, maybe I'm I'm asking you a leading question by adding that part. Did that tell you anything about these platforms, that that went wild while your tour dates maybe or your album announcement gets not as much of a reaction? Well, it it taught me something about the way people see things on Twitter, because you know, it's like when you see a, when 160,000 people are liking a tweet, which means like it's probably reached like four or five million yeah. pe- million eyes. You know, you get a sense of like how people perceive what is happening on Twitter and on social media in these like small, little, isolated, like kind of like associative cells where there's like. Tweet, 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 you know, and they're all just random, you know, yeah. some whatever, quasi-random. And, yeah, like, the, the thing that quickly happened was there there was, like, a good, like, a hero narrative that was established. Oh, because it, the word hero was involved as well. Huh. And so it, it became, like, this guy is a hero because he said he was a hero. Because I quoted him as saying, "Yeah, I remember that." And so yeah. everyone was like, "We need to," you know. There was like hundreds and hundreds of, t- of replies that were like, "We need to hire this some band." Like, we need to hire this guy as our merch guy and stuff. And I was like, "Well, no, this is <laughs> what he did was extremely inappropriate." And if I see him do it again, I'm gonna fucking slap him in the face and tell him to get out of my show. Didn't he show up you know, again? Like, Didn't you encounter him again? I did. Yeah, I did. And yeah, again, he made an ass of himself i think he tried to stage dive at a wand show which is not people just don't do that no. you know <laughs> no i mean they can you know but it, it's not appropriate um <laughs> really for the uh yeah it's like i saw melvin's the other a few years ago and and someone got up on stage to stage dive and Dale Crover just started going, get off the stage, get off the stage now. This is very inappropriate. <laughs> what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> like That's a good way to do it. Um, well, I do think your approach has been one of satire. Like you told that story and people took it. So it's fascinating. Some bands are trying to glom on to your heat, say, we want in on this. We want to hire this guy. He's, he is a hero. And meanwhile, I would think your tweet, was vaguely like you were making fun of the situation by also highlighting it. And I think you have a gift for that. And this brings me back to the point of why I broached this. I saw some months ago, I feel like now, time is a weird thing for me. I think it was a few months ago you were tweeting about wanting to play with Guns N' Roses. Is this correct? That's correct. Yeah, I'm still trying to reach out, figure out a way to reach out to Axel Slash and Duff. I have my feelers, you know, everything's, my channels are open, but I'm not receiving any calls or 
Haven't heard from them yet. Now, given what I just said, is this satire, or would you really like to play a show or two with Guns N' Roses? Yes, I would. I really, really would. Mm. Yeah. Are you a fan? Yeah. I'm I'm a pretty big fan. They're a bit of a divisive band. California proud. I don't know what I'm saying there, but they, (laughs) they, they do represent Los Angeles, Sunset Strip. I think some of the sonic allusions you make to that era maybe are on this record is that a way to put it i mean maybe i'm maybe not actually what do you think i'm sorry there's a there's a reference you're talking about films and great films earlier you have a song called twins yeah features a reference to the film twins (laughs) featuring arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito and then also there's a van van halen reference in that song running with the devil as i recall so th- oh sure yeah, yeah anyway uh, are there any Guns N' Roses references uh, in the lyrics I don't think so I might have missed some no no I think I I, I chose not to I think there there's a lot of more like guitar referential Guns N' Roses style. yeah 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 there's some yeah. slash style riffing for sure but yeah the running with the devil lyric is 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 Van Halen which also you know as a Pasadena boy that they were my heroes growing up. They played, uh, the, or the legend as it goes is they played in my high school auditorium in the seventies when they were mammoth. Huh? And, uh, the drummer backer, his parents knew David Lee Roth cause they went to PCC together. Oh, Pasadena wow. city college where I also went Wow, so you have a real connection to Van Halen. I mean, they're they're not real, totally real, but the, yeah, we've walked the same, you know, streets, you know, for some time. That's more than most people. I mean, sorry, <laughs> you you literally, yeah, you you come from the same place. So, okay, yeah. I I wanted to get I wanted to get at that cuz I can't like I say, I think you exist uh online anyway in a world of some meta-ness and some not uh, ironic distance, but at least you're, you're you're trying to play the game a little bit. You're very funny, is what I'm getting at, and I think that that takes you into the realm of satire. I take this music very seriously, uh, and but there are some fun things in the lyrics. So, so you are paying some homage, it seems to me, to maybe a bygone era of California rock music, maybe the '80s in particular. Twins also an '80s film sort of a silly sorry is there a great weight to you referencing the the film twins in the song of the same name twins oh yeah i just thought it was a good lyric <laughs> i thought it was a good way to tie the song together i want to say i saw um, at least three quarters of that film recently again for the first time in a long time because it was on the tv have you seen <laughs> twins lately i have yes yeah. i think it's a fine fine film yeah Okay, so, okay, <laughs> so I don't know where I'm going with this, except I'm trying to figure out if this is reflective, if this record is particularly reflective, a uh, reflective one for you about kind of key influences uh, in your youth or something like that, because I feel like that might be the case. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, the 80s is kind of a stretch. I was a wee lad, you know, but I do, I mean, the Sunset Strip mystique, I think, is something that weighs heavily on the, uh, or, or, or color, you know, as part of the, the, uh, world of this record very much 
Um, and it was a little bit part of Pale Horse Rider too, but that one's a little more Inland Empire, like desert. This is more Laurel Canyon, maybe. I don't know if that's too weird for Pale Horse Rider, but I, I... Uh, not really Laurel Canyon. It's it's not like an L.A. record, which is funny because it's got a song called Angelus on it. Yeah, but. Uh, to me, this is more it, 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 a part of the world is like Sunset Strip, like Viper Room. Well, know, I mean, uh, so I, I, ref- Go-Go. I appreciate that. I, I The song Persuasion Architecture that I alluded to earlier, I said something like, I feel like it has four different parts. But I feel like it captures various parts of California life in the way you've arranged it. When you So for those who haven't heard it yet, it almost has like a thrash punk metal arrangement and then all of a sudden it doesn't and you come in singing very sweetly uh and then it comes back again and all these sorts of things and i mentioned that the lyrical motifs are kind of sort of disconnected but but coherent at the same time a bit of a variety pack that song in particular can you tell me a bit more about where that song came from just the arrangement i'm just curious about it yeah i mean I'm not really sure. I mean, I think I came up with those two parts independently and then did a little progressive rock, you know, marriage of the two. Yeah. So it does kind of have this like thrash thing that goes into uh, this this like kind of sweet, like kind of Neil inspired bit. I don't know why it worked out that way. I guess I just, I couldn't, I wanted the lyrics to sit inside of something that was like, kind of like cozy. Yeah. And not, I didn't, I just don't really have it in me to like sing over fast thrashy stuff. I'm a pretty singer. I don't have any like edge to my voice. I have no hair. Well, but but the hair, I think (laughs) the hair comes sometimes in the lyrics and what you're singing about. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I transfer that attitude <laughs> into, into your subject matter. My snarl, my growl into the lyrical uh, side of things. I, I just want to say, like, and I don't mean to uh, blow smoke or whatever, but yeah, I, I really like the dynamic on a song like that one where it's all over the place, and but you are steadfast in your approach. As a singer, because I, I love your singing. I, I don't think I've ever really conveyed this to you because we haven't spoken since. But like, yeah, Pale Horse Rider songs are in my head all the time. Uh, my wife will sometimes be like, you keep saying that over and over again. I just because I'll just a fragment of a lyric will come into my brain and I'm just muttering as I'm doing dishes like Pale Horse Rider. And I just sing it. And she's like, yeah, there it is again. And uh, now she hasn't actually said it. I have a weird tick with that. Just certain fragments of lyrics stick in my head. I just sure. want to say... In this day and age where we're inundated with stuff, when things stand out for me, I am conscious of it eventually. I'm like, it's weird. That record came out two, three years ago, and I'm on such a weird cycle of listening to new music to prepare for interviews. And I don't listen. I feel like I don't always listen to a record as deeply as I did when I was a kid, where like I've I've cited this example numerous times. But the summer I heard Enter the Wu-Tang Clan, Enter the Wu-Tang by Mm Wu-Tang Clan, it was just in my car on a tape. The whole summer. Like, I just never stopped listening to it. And to this day, I know most of the lyrics from it because it just, I was like, this is all I want right now. This is the summer of this album for me. And uh, that doesn't happen as much for me. In, it's very rare. So mm-hmm. anyway, I'm, I don't mean to, I don't know if you've heard this from others, but you have a, a haunting infectious quality, I want to say, 
Has anyone ever said to you, hey, haunting. Corey Hansen, you have a haunting, infectious quality. <laughs> infectious quality? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like uh, COVID. <laughs> no, um, I didn't. no, I just want to say, I like the <laughs> dynamic that you present on that. This That record is quite different from this one, but I'm already starting to feel those like lyrical fragments and melodies, I guess, is really what they are uh, from this record are seeping in, and I can see myself in a couple years echoing uh, this record, so... Please take this as a compliment. Not, sure, sure. I, I do. Thank you. Not that I need a doctor. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. So yeah, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, the the it's hard to get turned on by things the way. For me, it's hard to get turned on by things the way that I did when I was first getting into music, and was really like hungry to discover, you know, new things, and would just was pickier maybe than I am now. It was like, you know, Steely Dan, fuck that. You know, Grateful Dead, fuck that. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix, let's go, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. But the yeah, the, the the idea with this record was kind of, I had that in mind a lot. I was thinking a lot about that, like being a young kid and getting turned on by something that just came out and felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for kids that are like I was where I... I live pretty far from my uh, high school, so I couldn't really see my friends because um, I live like an hour away. And uh, my mom worked at the high school I went to, so we would drive like an hour to and from every day. And I would go home and I would have nothing to do, no kids to hang out with. So I just played guitar yeah, and played guitar for hours and hours. And uh, my brother did the same thing. You know, now we're playing in this band together. Yeah. And we're both kind of putting those years of like kind of weird isolation, you know, into practice in this rock band. And yeah, I was just thinking like, yeah, it'd be cool to make something. And I think this with every record that I make, it's like about how to, you know, like focusing in on like, like what is turning me on at the time. Turn on's kind of like an old turn, like a, 60s term or something it's like something that <laughs> they can have a double know, meaning like at a, least a double meaning as well yeah no i know what you're saying i'm not <laughs> sure yeah. yeah yeah western come yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah you know if you best and chill you know kids want to listen to this record and get something out of it you know playing their guitar and having all these new feelings that's great if adults do that too that's great too <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about this. I'm glad you invoked the guitar playing and all the hours you put into it. Because um, I was contemplating these, as I said, some of these harmonized guitar parts. Uh, I believe, uh, forgive me if I'm using the wrong terminology, there's like a harmonic guitar solo on ha- Horse Bait Sabotage. Is that what that's called? When you play the harmonic? Uh, is that the right term? Oh, yeah. The yeah, ringing? Yeah. The ringing? Yeah. Which is like a, almost a post-hardcore thing. I associate it with like... Not quite muting your strings, letting them ring, but it's still sort of muted. Is that a way of putting it? I don't know how to describe it. I'm not sure. A... You're just hitting the harmonics. Yeah. Math rock. It's math rock is, I guess, where <laughs> yeah, I'm coming yeah. from. So here's the thing, uh, and I don't mean to make you uncomfortable, Corey, but um, I know that some of us who see a great musician or a dancer or a comedian, or uh, for me, uh, I follow basketball closely. And what often happens at the end of a basketball game, uh, a basketball player will do some bizarre, almost alien-like thing where they'll score 50 points and they'll dunk and they'll... It's just, you can't even... 
most of us can't relate to it at all. And then some poor schmo has to be like, what happened? Tell us what you did. And they go, I just put the ball in the basket. We won. We got more points than the other team. They scored less. <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? But, sure. but I think what they're really getting at is like, how do you do that? Like, that's the subtext of every question. So I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I don't know how else to put this. What is it kind of like being a human being who's a really, really great guitar player? Because the guitar playing on your records is fucking phenomenal. And this one in particular is like a balls out great guitar record. Like there's, I want everyone to, who likes guitars. Some people don't like guitars. But for those people who like guitars, I urge you, if you're hearing me right now, listen to this record. Listen to guitar playing. So in the vein of a poor schmo sports field reporter, Corey Hansen, what's it like being a really great guitar player? Can you kind of articulate it? Are you even aware of what it's like for those of us who struggle and don't know how to be oh, a great guitar geez. player? I struggle too, man. <laughs> uh, I struggle every day. I don't hear it, that. It, I don't hear that. It's a heavy, heavy lies of the crown. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, it's funny that you, you, you uh, mentioned basketball because on the last Wand tour, Robbie, who plays guitar in Wand, picked up a uh, Jordan poster and uh, it's of Jordan like, you know, about to dunk. And he's just like, it's unreal. Like his, his, I mean, he's doing the air Jordan pose. Yeah. His legs are, you know, open and, and uh, he's doing the thing, but he's so far from the net and he's so high off of the ground. And so we taped that to the outside of the van. Outside. And it was just, (laughs) <laughs> to the outside of the van. So everyone that drove by saw that that Jordan poster. And by the end of the tour, it became like totally like sun destroyed yeah. and like all the colors were faded and it had gotten water in it. It was moldy. It smelled bad. <laughs> and uh, but, you know, we still I think we still have it. I took it off of the van finally. But we were talking a lot about this in the van. I mean, I'm not a sports person, but Robbie... Evan Burroughs, both like Evan follows basketball really closely. Yeah. And we were just talking about alpha state, you know, like this thing that happened, like you're talking about where these athletes and a lot of musicians and stuff, they reach this alpha state where time slows down, perceives to have slowed down. And they are sort of able to like have perfect muscle coordination, like this under uh, kind of otherworldly understanding of physics and you know the way that things work in relation to each other and then they can you know do these uh like insane tasks hmm. and music is not nearly as athletic obviously and high contact i mean it depends on what band you're in if you're gg allen is pretty high contact <laughs> but but it requires uh coordination and dexterity for sure yeah Uh, he was he was in some sort of state but it requires dexterity and coordination let's put it that way sure muscle coordination and there is something about the phenomenon we all take it for granted obviously i mean i take it for granted and i have to remind myself that the fact that a drummer can you know play something and then i can just jump in and be on time with it is a very unique like and special thing yeah, that is like the way that that humans can sync up and just immediately be on the same page about something, and then the next minute be totally off, you know, off the page and not know where each other are, or what's going yeah. on. Yeah, and um, I think that 
the only reason that I've gotten to where I am now is from hours and hours of playing with other people and understanding, you know, that it's not about like what ideas I've prepared and where, what I, what I want to bring like that stuff, you know, isn't interesting to me. It's more about jumping in and like being able to express something that's spontaneous in a group. Right. With this record, it's a little bit different because I wrote it's it's the first time since like maybe the the one thousand days record with Wand where I actually sat down and wrote all of the guitar parts and I wrote all the songs in advance and I I wanted it to be this way of like expanding the way I melodically and harmonically think about guitar. And it's more about the relationship that I have, you know, just just plugging into an amp that's blasting me in the face and like playing riffs and yeah. like because there 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 is it it made it appears instantaneous, you know, this thing that happens while you're playing. But what's really happening is I hit the string and then that creates an acoustic sound. That sound is picked up by a pickup. That sound travels to the amplifier. It goes through the circuit of the amplifier, and then it comes back out. And then my ears hear it, and my brain registers what's happening. And then I emotionally respond to that. Mm-hmm. And it's like it feels instant, like it, like it's all happening simultaneously. But it it is like kind of you s- can slow it down. Hmm. And so then it just becomes it, it's it it's feedback. Is what that is called right yeah it it, yes i know what you're alluding to but so you've got some sort of cosmic that's the wrong word you got some like some sort of ethereal plane you enter and you can't even maybe explain sometimes why it's working or what's come what's happening it's just sort of you know you're create this explains the basketball athlete answers of like basically i will say something to you to fill time but i don't know why that happened either I don't know well, why yeah. to, I don't know why this happened tonight uh, on some level, and why this just as we're speaking this happened. Jason Tatum from the Boston Celtics had a phenomenal Game Seven in his last series, and had a kind of bombed out in Game One. Like just set a record, literally set a points record for Game Sevens uh, a, less than a week ago, and then came back and could was ineffectual. So mm-hmm. there's something you're saying. There's some sort of I don't quite know what's going to happen when I plug in, but hopefully it's there. Whatever is usually there is there. Is that a way to put it? Yeah, there's always something there. I'm glad that music isn't as objective as basketball. Sure. Because the parameters of basketball don't really allow for a lot of uh, different kinds of performance. It's hard data, right? It's stats that we're measuring people up against, their previous stats, whereas you, as a musician, you can be like on tour and, Three nights are amazing, and the fourth night you think is horrible, but the same response you get from the people, that was amazing. Yeah, And I know on my fourth night, I'll be like, yeah, well, I kind of fucked up that song. And like, yeah, okay, sorry, I said good job then. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned not to, I've learned over the years, I did eventually learn to be like, thank you. And then with the band, you'd be like, man, I really fucking biffed it on the, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we caught that vish. We we heard you biff it, but it'll be fine tomorrow, you know. So you, there's a bit of that, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's incredibly subjective. Yeah. And and there is no way to talk about 
this stuff without getting somewhat philosophical. If you yeah. want like a more substantial answer, then I put the ball in the basket. <laughs> um, like it's it's just hard to talk about without uh, reaching into that zone. Um, there's not really a science to it. No, and and maybe that's for the best that we we don't look at this as a rigid pass or fail. Um, it's just it is sort of free expression on some level that you capture on some level and and through repetition like you you you're by yourself playing guitar and then you're like oh this is worth me repeating 3000 times for the rest of my life and putting yeah, it in a song yeah, sure but that but that one sucks i don't want to do that one um <laughs> so it, it, there's some mystery to that probably too yeah yeah i mean it's funny i was thinking about this the other day cuz i i feel like there's this perception of musicians that they spend periods of time being uninspired. Yeah. You know, that there's like, they'll get uh, writer's block or something. That's what they say. Yeah. And I don't really experience that. I mean, things get blocked, you know, there, there, if I, if you're trying to, if I'm trying to be objective and I'm like, I have to go sit down and write 10 songs worth of lyrics, I will get writer's block and I'll have to, do something else. But that doesn't mean that there isn't like a creative flow that's directed like that. I feel like it's going somewhere else. And I think I'll, another part of it is I don't really have the luxury to have a significant writer's block to spend, you know, a lot of my time just staring at the sky and being like, Hmm, what do I do? Like, what is, <laughs> I need to get inspired. It's like, I kind of have to be inspired because I, I have to make records you know, to, uh, to keep doing this. Well, but to follow up on what you're saying about people ascribing, uh, an artist having some difficulty doing something as writer's block, isn't the block, so to speak, or that period part of the process? Like I, I would assume, I, I think that if you can't come up with something and then when you do, you would be foolish not to look back at that supposedly weird period as not informing that something about that blockage probably helped you get to where you ended up going in that time frame. Does that make any sense? Like you learn, yeah, you learn from sure. that, that weird fugue state or whatever it is you learn from it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just, it just doesn't totally, it hasn't totally ever happened to me. Right. Because I can just go do something else like, okay, I can't write lyrics. So I'll just write some instrumental music or, you know, now things are getting incredibly tight creatively, like kind of feeling a little bit slammed because, uh, you know, just working on wand records, solo records in I've, I've kind of got my hands full and I don't really have the luxury of, time to devote to being uninspired <laughs> no that's in a way yeah you're motivated you're motivated you're ready to go you got stuff to do i appreciate that so i thank you for this i, I want to ask you a quick question that uh, may take us somewhere or nowhere um the songs on this record are all uh relatively long one of them driving through heaven uh is like a epically long i guess it's almost 10 and a half uh, minutes or something like that uh, and you've chosen to do some interesting stuff with the arrangements where there's like uh, intermittent singing. Uh, and I really like that. And I, and I could ask you about that, but we were talking about Nirvana earlier briefly or Nirvana t-shirts, I guess. 
Nirvana, yeah. someone pointed out to me uh, years after I'd been listening to that band a lot that um, almost, I believe, every Nirvana song concludes with a hard stop. There are no fade-outs in the Nirvana catalog. And at the time, someone was trying to draw some connection between maybe Kurt Cobain's approach to life and death and that. Just the starkness of, like, everything ended. You weren't left to wonder. Uh You tend to have fade-outs. And there seems to be a lot of, for lack of a better term, jamming. This is not directed at you specifically, but do you have any philosophical uh, stance on the notion of a hard stop versus the fade out the one because a fade out can be very mysterious what happened where they go what happened for the rest of the song they just it's mysterious in its own way whereas the the hard stop is conclusive mm-hmm. um sorry if i'm drawing maybe this has not occurred to you at all but i heard the fade outs on this record and i thought of this uh, so forgive me if this is trite or stupid do you have any kind of uh, uh aesthetic approach to this notion of the the hard stop versus the fade out oh yes very much. Oh, good. I'm, okay. I'm good. actually very uh, happy that you picked up on that. Um, yeah. The fades are very considered. <laughs> it, you know, like there, it's it's definitely a part of the process of of. I think a lot of maybe a lot of listeners will think the fades are cop outs. You know, as like, well, you just didn't know how to fucking end the song, did you? But <laughs> to me, I will choose to fade out a song if I want to leave the listener with, you know, the feeling of, like, a, a slow, drawn-out, like, you're, you're being pulled out of, like, a continuous, like, a music continuum. It's just going to keep going and going. And I like that feeling, like, it, it just keeps going. But you're leaving. And then you go back. And then you leave again. Um, yeah. I like that it's gradual. I also just like the sound of fades and they sound different you know depending on if you're doing a board fade depending on what kind of fader you have yeah yeah, you know like uh what kind of lubricant the fader has it changes (laughs) changes the right uh the taper there's like the the potentiometers you know that are in it the the actual audio taper that happens you know it can happen on this could happen like this so yeah the hard stops do I even have any? I, I don't know that you do on this one. It's, and it, I, I don't know that you do, sorry, off the top of my head on this one. But the fades were really... Obviously, they spoke to me. The fades resonated with me enough for me to bring them up here. So let's let's say, for lack of remembering on your part and mine, that most of the songs, if not all of them, fade. Uh, and you're yeah, saying that's might. sort of part of the creative process, so to speak. Yeah, well, I'm a big J.J. Kale fan, and he loves to fade. He's like all about, you know, it's like you're you're hearing that groove and it and it's exiting, and you know, some fades I I think are are too powerful, hmm. too powerful of a move, like Asia, Asia, both sides of Asia, and on like minute long fades. Hmm. and it's like this symmetrical kind of perfect sounding thing if you're listening on an LP and it's yeah it's it's, it's perfect yeah <laughs> obviously yeah. it's asia it's like everything about it is very considered Brian Eno does it a lot you know yeah. 
but he's like another green world is a record where it's it's he does the actually the thing that i really like which is the fade in and the fade out so you're really just you know kind of coming into this world of the song and then you're you're leaving it almost like you're floating in and out of it that's true it's like an invitation to enter and exit i guess more than it's gone the song just suddenly left or the song just suddenly started um that's a fascinating way of putting it. I'm glad I brought it up then because I, I was worried this was a sort of a dumb observation on some level, but it sounds like it it's something you thought about a fair amount. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a huge fan of The Fade. The Hard <laughs> Stop, I'm not that much of a fan of. Like, yeah. it's... Yeah, I don't like... I don't like just pulling people out on a record. It's a vaguely punk thing. There's something to it. There's a structural motivation behind it. Most, I can't think of too many sort of whatever, post-hardcore or punk. A lot of that, we stopped. When I played in those bands, we stopped and it was yeah. done. And it was like, this is definitively done. Um, there's no uh, ambivalence or, and there's no amb- ambiguity to what, what you just heard. Whereas a fade, uh, to, to just to speak again, I don't want to repeat ourselves, but... There's, it leaves a little bit more to the imagination, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, also when you're working with, like in this case, with, with longer improvised pieces and stuff, where, where there, there's not as much like compositional, it's not, you know, being being wound like a clock. Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of punk music is. Yeah, fair enough. Then it feels more natural to just like do that. There's not really a good place to hard stop. Some people do it. Like, there's a really good hard stop on that uh, Portishead third record on the first song. And it's just like, it's not even like a composed stop. It's just like the, a studio cut. Right. Where they just, the song's over. Yeah. And I hated it the first time I heard it. I thought there was something wrong. You know, I was like, why did you do that? That's so fucked up. But now when I, I it becomes, it's, it's the same thing with improvised music it's like listening to a miles davis records improvised music but it becomes composed because it's on a, a record yeah and so you hear it over and over again yeah and and to your point there's a difference between um a band resolving i think maybe what it is is like there can be the um feeling that if a song fades or stops sorry if it fades the band isn't the one making that call. It's the technology or the engineer. Like the band probably made the decision to do the fade. But if a band, if you hear a, a group of people playing and they stop together, it feels like that was their call. That was their decision. That's what we're hearing. Uh, it's right, fully. Right. Anyway, I don't, I'm, I'm maybe really grasping at straws with this, but I think there's something to what we're discussing philosophically as well as aesthetically. Like what, anyway, for what it's worth, I feel like this record brought this to my attention and made me ponder it and i appreciate that you went here with me on this and that it (laughs) resonates with you too you know what i mean yeah yeah i appreciate you picking up on that very you know kind of uh studio dorky detail well yeah and i mind it's it's definitely something i indulge in quite a bit okay you know the fades yeah i mean listening to uh naturally or um troubadour jj kale records it's like the fades are so fucking good. They're <laughs> no, so I, sick. Like I say, I think there's something to them. I think now that you've... I appreciate what you said about them, too. It's made me... Yeah, I'm going to think about them even further and notice them more and more. I think we take them for granted sometimes. 
that uh, they occur or don't occur. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, listen, I, I just want to say I appreciate this conversation. I, I always enjoy speaking with you, Corey. So thanks for making time for me again. And uh, uh, I want to take uh, this opportunity uh, to once again congratulate you on Western Com and tell people that uh, it's available via Drag City uh, Records. Are there places you want the, the general public to go on the internet to keep tabs on your comings and goings? Yeah, dragcity.com. They look me up. I'm in there. <laughs> I'm one of the 300 bands they have on their roster. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the, the 400 uh, the, or the 40 Will Oldham side projects that are, <laughs> I'm buried under there somewhere. Just had Will and uh, Lori Damiano on my show to talk about their ch- I saw children's that. book, Shorty's Ark, and it was really fun. Um, yeah. No. Oh, okay. So dragcity.com. What about you? Do you have your own things, personal things, uh, websites? Uh, I got my my IG. Okay. Hit me up on IG. Okay. That stands for Instagram. Yep. And uh, I'm also on Twitter, as we uh, as you've heard. <laughs> I hope I don't disappoint the people that are no, that no, even no. talking up my Twitter, and they're going to go and be like, ah, oh, this guy's just shit talking the Beatles. It's so nothing s- that it's so exciting or, about or that. weirdly Fender guitars, and then you end up working with them. Is that what happened recently? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You slagged Fender guitars quite a bit, as I recall, and then you got a thing saying you worked with them. I'm like, Corey is an enigma to me. I don't know what this guy's all about. <laughs> all over the road. I like that. I like that. I, I, um, yeah, no, I mean, Fenders are great, man. <laughs> I think that it's, I, I think that people miss, maybe mistake my, uh, my opinions as like serious or something satire man there's it's there's there yes but it's hard to have that's what i love and hate about twitter is that the the tone of voice is absent you know like my my personality is absent and it's it's very much just like in a vacuum of of uh other tweets yeah i suppose um and a lot of people try like i mean like elon musk is the best example try to control that narrative yeah. as best they can like him to the point of like buying the company <laughs> yeah you know so that he could be the most popular person on twitter and and find love for the first time in his life and sadly that's backfired for him and i feel bad for the guy mm. this guy's trying to buy you know he's buying twitter and he's trying to fucking go to mars <laughs> Where there's no life, you know. Well, so you can be alone. Yeah. On on, on that bleak note, I want to go out on a song from Western Come. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe we can dedicate it to Elon. Is there a song from the record that uh, we can go out on, Corey? And if so, can you tell me which one uh, you want us to play and 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 why you chose it? Yeah. Let's go out on uh, Ghost Ship. Ghost Ship. Now, why did that come to mind? I don't know. I think that it. It it's it's just a good song, man. It's a good song to sail out from a from a uh, yeah a wonderful conversation. The, this wonderful conversation we've had, you know, to sail away on this ghost ship. Yeah. Till next time. I just want to point people out to, uh, a few lyrics out to people. Uh, the entrails of a dog. The cocaine that you're carrying is taped onto your balls, swinging around in the darkness. No one to hear your call. In a travelogue written by seven dwarves, I'm going to tell you all I'd forgotten 
at the bottom of the world. Very strange stuff, if I might say. But True story. But <laughs> it is it's funny because it's true. Let's hear it now. This is a ghost <laughs> ship from Western Come by Corey Hansen. Corey, always a pleasure. Thank you for making time for me. I hope you really did enjoy yourself. I think you did. I I, I feel like you're sincere and not satirizing me. Have a <laughs> thank you for being on. I hope we talk again and best of luck in the future. Of course. Thanks, Vish. Thanks for having me.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I love that Corey Hansen, and I love this new album, Western Come. Thank you once again to Corey for being back on this show. Uh, this time, Corey was on uh, the 783rd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcast. pretty much. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook, uh, or follow the show for now on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and Instagram at Vishkana. Also, please consider visiting patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this donor-driven podcast. Most of the good, clean revenue I get for the work I put into this show comes from folks like you, folks who listen to the show, and then feel like they want to support it a little bit, at least financially, over uh, via my Patreon. That's it's very lovely that people do that. Uh, it's a modest amount of money, but uh, it this is what I really love to do, and I I still have this. I cling to this dream that someday enough people will donate to the Patreon, and then that's this is all I can do. But that's not looking likely anytime soon. But still, I I say it every. Those of you who hear the show, you know I mention this. So. If you can, if you have the, the money or you, you and your friends listen to the show and you're a Patreon person and they're not, please spread the word. Bring a buddy, a swim buddy or something, and jump into the creative control Patreon pool. It's, I didn't like what I just said, but I, I'm going to leave it in. Anyway, $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. You get the episodes earlier than everybody else. And still, to this day, I have some Creative Control t-shirts that I could gift to you in exchange for your generosity. Just message me on Patreon. Again, if you can, if you can afford it, if you believe in this show and you want it to continue, please support it at patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you so much. Thanks again also to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, these independent businesses offer their in-kind support for this show, and I can't thank them enough, so thank you. Also, thanks to Jim Guthrie. He's a good friend of mine and lends me some music of his that I use uh, in aspects of the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Corey Hansen. I'm such a huge fan of Corey's, and we always have lovely chats, so I'm glad we were able to reconnect about this wonderful new 
record, Western Come. It's my guitar rock record of the year, I would say. I love it. So thank you to Corey. Uh, thanks for subscribing to this podcast. Uh, the rest of you there are following it and telling your friends to do the same. I hope you're well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.